Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And this week, it's a uh, it's another two-man penis polka. Uh, it's just the two of us again. Slight change in the cast of characters. Uh, with me this time is... Lars. Hey, hey, hey. And I, of course, am respected private citizen Jeremy. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume that anyone who's listening to this at, at this point uh, doesn't need a refresher in how this goes. Uh, but we start with our um, two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Uh, that's where each one of us will, in theory, get an uninterrupted two minutes, although neither aspect of that is, is solid, um, <laughs> in, in which to respond to a predetermined prompt. Uh, the one this time is, what's the best daytime television show to which to masturbate? Well, at least the construction is correct. What's the best daytime television show to which to masturbate? Uh, Lars, you're starting us off appropriately. Yeah, I'm I'm going to start my time with a protest. Uh, This question is flawed for multiple reasons. Most obviously, it's a premise that is a joke in itself, which makes it almost impossible to top with actual answers. So the idea is funnier than the execution ever could be, which is basically a defining agony cast trait and certainly typical of my performance on it personally a bigger flaw i think is in the sexism of the premise the question is the best daytime television show to which to masturbate and this amounts to symbolic violence as male masturbation distorts the value in female programming here's the breakdown in our culture masturbation is generally coded as masculine most pornography is consumed by and designed for male audiences and the terms for masturbation like uh, whacking off jerking off choking the chicken, flogging the bishop, pulling the penis, are male-oriented. So that's male. On the other hand, daytime television shows are traditionally coded as female. Soap Ah. operas, The View, the Hey Wife, Wake Up and Help Your Husband hour... Uh, are obvious examples, and even but even ostensibly male programming still has, I would say, about a 51% female vibe. So consider the other half, an all-male a- a television show answer to The View that ran from 2001 to 2003. It was hosted by uh, Danny Bonaducci, mm-hmm. Mario Lopez. <laughs> Do you know, are you familiar with this, Jeremy? I'm familiar with the show, although I was not a regular uh, viewer. Okay, so so Danny Bonaducci, Mario Lopez, and Dick Clark, (laughs) as well as some other guy. Um, They actually swap. That's not a masturbation murderer's row. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, and the fourth guy was so inconsequential. They actually swapped him out at some point, and no one actually noticed, uh, which is awful, right? Because he was the only technical. Well, other than uh, Mario Lopez, I guess is Hispanic, but um, this fourth guy was the only real. Uh, you know, person of color in terms of being an African-American. I believe he's a surgeon. Um, the show was men talking, and yet it still dealt primarily with female-friendly issues and the sort of 
soft focused lighting and gentle conversation that clings to the daytime television formula initially developed for female audiences. So, so this question we're asking today basically asks, what's the best way to assert your male sexuality onto female programming that is not designed for you? So I'm going to ask you this question, not for the first time. You should be ashamed of yourself. Having said that, there are some terrific answers to this question. For the viewer excited by aggregations of flesh, uh, Wendy Williams has an hourglass figure so exaggerated that it would look uh, ridiculous even on an hourglass. Uh, And without putting too fine a point on it, the hourglass wouldn't work because the sand in the top would have nowhere to go. Uh, The Chew appeals to the sort of reprobate who prefers their sexuality to be mixed with food, uh, offering a sort of gooey titillation not seen since nine and a half weeks. Uh, Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg on The View, it is still on, have a lot of throwback appeal for anyone who enjoys contemplating what sex was like in the Jimmy Carter era. Um, But for the best show, the best show for touching oneself is, of course, The Price is Right. Uh, in addition to the testimony of the film The Candidate, in which the wife of Zach Galifianakis's character says, I touch myself at Drew Carey on The Price is Right. Uh, the, the Price is Right offers two things at the core of contemporary American sexuality, surprise and money. Uh, fortunes are won and lost in an instant, familiar to the sort of sex addict who would watch daytime TV for cheap sexual thrills. Perhaps he'll even see himself in the candidates, remembering how he gambled for his own showcase showdown in the form of a beautiful prostitute who was actually a police officer. Tragically, he overbid. Suddenly, this version of the Agony Cast becomes all... Uh, yeah, all sound effects. At some point, I want to talk about how I think that we're in an agony cast rebuilding period, which, uh, you know, I think great, great things are yet to come. Or the end. <laughs> Show's on hiatus for retooling. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, these are like a sort of job interviews where you're deciding which of us to keep around. Ryan's next. Well, I mean, speaking of yoking together uh, sex and food, I mean, I'm... Um a little surprised you didn't go to the more immediate uh, trifecta of the Seinfeld amalgam, right? Of hmm. salted cured meats, sexuality, and television. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it brings them all together in uh, in the chew. Um, or, you know, there's yeah. this sort of uh, the Good Morning America, which seems to try to appeal to all the senses and all experiences in its eight hours or however long it goes. I do remember sex in the Carter era. It was a lot more beige. <laughs> was that your uh, w- what was your malaise represented by at that point um, I can only assume my flaccid infant genitalia <laughs> yeah, that was a live cool. form but I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention right yeah well I think that uh, yeah you were probably just too busy waiting in line for uh, gasoline right getting dumped on by the Ayatollah <laughs> that's right oh Carter yeah he tried his best, didn't he? And he's had a uh, you know a second life post presidency. So that's right. He founded Second Life, <laughs> and he's done so much uh, so much more good that way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, getting rid of those uh, those worms. Although I, you know, I have worms, so I don't. I mean, he didn't get rid of all of them. Yeah, where's my deworming, Carter? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just gonna go go to that church he apparently preaches at every week and just sort of ask him a question and then bend over. <laughs> 
Drop the shovel, peanut farmer, and fix Lars's worms. <laughs> That's right. I've decided I'm actually going to uh, outsource this question to my my friend and partner, Deuce Rocker. You couldn't pick a uh, couldn't pick a better man for the job. <laughs> yeah, he's all up in it, up in them guts. All right. Well, that was a uh, a solid response. Um, you covered your ass at the beginning, but then you know. Uh, cut right against that. Um, so I'll go ahead and take it from here. Uh, since there's only two of us, I guess that makes the most sense. Hmm. So for me, this question is nearly impossible to answer. Uh, since the baby came, the idea of any television that isn't just fragments of PBS kids on an iPad is absolutely absurd. In which case, my answer is Wild Kratz. I don't nice. know which one is which, but I think I picked the huskier one because he seems like a cuddler, and I like that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but let it never be said that I'm not game. Uh, so my answer is this. Reruns of Sabado Gigante. <laughs> uh, Lars, because you're basically King Gringo, I'll explain that in Spanish, Sabado means Saturday and Gigante mm. means Gigante. Uh, so my answer is based on these three points. One, it's got boobs. Yeah. Uh, two, I don't speak Spanish, so it's easier to fantasize. Uh, Whit wow. Stillman, uh, he pointed out in Barcelona, or excuse me, Barcelona, mm. um, that a language barrier actually smooths over flaws in your character because any monstrous conduct can be explained away as a cultural misunderstanding, right? Mm. So, uh, you know... There's going to be a lot of no me gustas. Um, it's going to be a plus for me that I, I, I can't understand what's happening. Yeah. And then three, I don't know what's going on in that show. Uh, it's kind of like a game show, except then out of nowhere, a guy gets chastised for stealing a friend's propane grill, and then an adult <laughs> dressed as a baby gets hit by un autobus. <laughs> In fact, it's a lot like this show, if you think about it, or rather, this show's a lot like it. My point is that the thing's a fever dream already, so nothing's taboo. Anything I bring to the situation is only going to be white noise. Right. So, anywho, mi respuesta es sábado gigante. I await the formal announcement of my victory. Yeah, that's that's incredible. The uh, I mean, just Googling Sabado Gigante on Google Images is a real feast for the senses. I think it's like uh, there's like the host and then there's, um, you know, there's the hostesses. And then I think there's more than one Amber Alert. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, in fact, uh, where the Amber, Amber Alert began. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does seem like the crowd's big enough that a kid could be lost. Oh, yes. and the Yeah, and the, all the crowd background shots. There's a lot of children there. That seems not okay. Well, that's uh, part of the weirdness of it is that it is, uh, you know, speaking to my third point, it is, I guess it's a family show in the sense that there are things on the... Uh, you know, th things on it that are for children. In fact, I think there's like, you know, a children's um, talent show of, of, uh, of sorts. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, and then it's also very kind of racy at different times and very kind of silly. And it's also been on, I think it's it now finally ended, but it hmm. was on, God, I think since the 60s. No shit. Yeah. The so, 60s yeah. probably. Right. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on this page about the 50th anniversary. 
Yeah, wow. of a television show. Well, I mean, okay, so when they say that Americans aren't comfortable enough with their sexuality, is this the kind of thing that they're pointing to as something that would be better? Like shows that both seem to sort of, um, you know, uh, glorify prostitution and feature children's games? Well, but that's what Disney movies does. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I hmm. don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, since I don't speak Spanish, I'm not exactly sure what the translation of You Guys Are Prudes really is so right yeah a perdoname <laughs> what okay what did you say sapato stands for saturday uh yes oh yeah saturday gigantic or whatever <laughs> yes it's it's the hit show saturday gigantic <laughs> the al jazeera america has a feature called why sabato gigante had to end so that seems pretty <laughs> pretty timely and important I think that's uh, something to do with this question. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, okay. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I feel like the the, the, the core of this question is the core. Of the, I feel like the core of this question has to do with the fact that it's like women are being objectified on television where they don't, where they absolutely do not to be objectified. Given that male sexuality deals primarily with the visual, what are we to do with that? I mean, obviously this is the cartoonish answer, which is to say what we're to do with it is to respond sexually to to people who've been sexualized. But the troubling aspect of it, right, goes, I think, pretty deeply. Deep. Well, that brought things to a screeching halt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when it's you and I, it's really just sort of like, I'm going to leave this here. Are you going to pick it up? No? Okay. Well, then then that's the stop. Sabado Gigante. All right. Um, Well, that's that's probably as far as we can go with that. Yeah. Um, Attentive listeners will know that before moving into the next part of the show, we ordinarily do some kind of little interstitial bit. However, we're foregoing that this time because Lars has demanded a few minutes to espouse his alt-right perspectives. And you know that I'm telling the truth here because his name is Lars. So Lars, go ahead. Yeah, listen, I just have one thing to say. What is it with all of these people running around who are aliens? And I don't mean illegal aliens from another country. I mean aliens. When are we going to start talking about... David Bowie. David, well, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I did have an earlier theory that uh, Lemmy... uh, Eagle-eared listeners will remember that I had a theory that David Bowie, Lemmy, and Alan Rickman were all vestiges of gods from another plane. I suppose I would consider them as aliens, sort of like Thor. But I would say that, uh, yeah, you know, just... um, Go on, yeah. I think that's probably a sound bet. Who are they going to side with with the lizard people? You know, right. us right. or them. That's right. Okay, so lizard okay okay, so now okay, now so so lizard people are also aliens? Um you know, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I, yeah, this feels like one I'm gonna have to punt. <laughs> yeah. I think I, the question is <laughs> whose side are you on, Mars? <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they, are they, yeah. <laughs> Not you, lizard people. You're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, uh, you know, we're surrounded on all sides by these aliens. And I think we need to band together as, um, as people and, uh, and aliens. Oh, no, they infiltrated <laughs> even, <laughs> even my construction of the mission. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I just think we they have are to hard gather. Workers. That's right. That's right. I I I'll t- I'll say this. I think that I break with some of my alt right brethren in that I I really enjoy um, a lot of uh, of these Spanish language American 
news and entertainment shows that I've now been turned on in the last four minutes um, since uh, Gigante's set Saturdayo. Um, and I'd like to read a few of them now. Uh, El Gordo He La Flaca. Nuestra Baleza Latina. Primer Impacto. Don Francisco Presents. Well, that's pretty easy. I guess the variety show. Oh, forget it. I'm done with this. But, you know, I just think I feel like even in this show, there's always these opportunities to learn. And so I'd like to formally announce that although I've participated in the alt-right, I have been, in fact, a spy and I'm not an alt-right member anymore. So sorry, members of the alt-right who are so excited to have me around. My time here is finished. And, uh, you know, you can send any mail um, directly to uh, the P.O. box that's been set up by my handlers at the DEA, the FDA, the um, USDIC, and uh, EGYLF, which is El Gordo Hey La Flaca. I think Salvador Gigante was Chilean. Salvador Gigante. No. Wait, say it again? Did you say, say you didn't just, oh, Salvador. I thought you said Salvador Gigante. Okay, Chilean. Okay, that makes sense. It's the longest-running television variety series in history. The bad yeah. news for you, Lars, is our only listener is the NSA. Most of that's going to hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> I answered the question. I prevented myself from being racist, basically. No, you know what, actually, but in fact, I think the answer itself is probably coded as racist, given the point at which I just started reading the... Uh, Spanish language television program titles in order to get myself excited about all the mystery in the world, which is to say objectification. Some of my telenovelas in there. That's right. All right. right. So, um, moving on, uh, wait a minute. You don't, (laughs) there's no, there's no proto fascist organization. There's no crypto fascist organization that you have to identify with in a sort of an improvised, uh, spinoff. I don't get to say that you're part of, um, the Masons or uh, Mormons? I guess they're not quite. Well, let me ask you this. Is my name Lars? <laughs> okay. Um, so, coming up next is the speed round. Speed round. So, let's see. In the speed round, uh, Lars and I will uh, have impromptu responses to some randomly determined props here let's see looks like the first one coming up is unexpected questions for billy d williams at the next (laughs) comic-con unexpected questions for billy d williams at the next comic-con i think they probably want to know why he always plays black characters i think uh the american public has a right to know yeah i imagine they're going to ask about the connection like whether once and for all if there was a connection between uh his you know alleged uh, spousal abuse and the cult 45 that he so vigorously advertised in the 80s yeah that's one question he's uh certainly anticipating hey mm. bdw bdw does it work every time <laughs> works really? every time. that's right works every time there was a period in my life, I assume it was a period in everyone's life, it just you know, happens during different years, where I drank a lot of different malt liquors. Mm, yeah, uh-huh. I eventually came down on Mickey's hand grenades, but boy, those were good years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me it was, uh, it was a lot of Smirnoff ice Jesus at that point. Christ. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I really, uh, I think that I, I feared drinking and so I went with the uh, friendliest name around, and yeah. that was yeah, that was pretty good. 
at 18. The uh, break in eras between our prime years is sometimes brought home to me in a shocking <laughs> way. I think if we were contemporaries, you would have been enjoying a refreshing Zima. Yeah, I think that's right. No, I did. At some point, I did want to have Zima. And the advertising for Zima, I mean, it really screams underage drinking, really. I mean, they never really explained what it was. And it was such a friendly commercial. I think it just sort of, yeah, yeah, they they really wanted kids to drink that stuff. Underage girl drinking. That's a target demo. Yeah, that's right. So so do you think Bartles and James was overage? Uh, you know, men and women drinking? I mean, it seemed like they had a real sort of geriatric audience pull on their ads, right? I think Bartles and James is probably still underage curl drinking. That seems to be everyone's target. Yeah. Cough syrup, Colt 45, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Cleaning fluid. Demerol. Right, that's right. Louded. <laughs> oh, boy. Loud and numb. Yeah. Well, I think that life is hard for a 16-year-old girl. I think that they need something to take the edge off. And I think that fruity uh, fruity malt liquor is probably the way to go. Although I think it should be clear that we're not specifically advocating those things. Although we've been so long without a sponsor, I think we should say we're, we would consider it, right? Hey, Billy D, did you shoot at Greedo? <laughs> yeah, that's the, extra, that's the extra scene he begged for Lucas to put in. How about I go in there? I'm already morally ambiguous. Yeah. There's a lot of forgiveness real quick. That's a question. When does the forgiveness happen for turning, for turning Han Solo in? I mean, I think that everybody gets over that pretty quick, right? Yeah. I assume he still gets a smattering of booze. Right. <laughs> you right right well and honestly i mean i i understand that narrative works in strange ways in films but there are things like um there there are films that show terrifying things happening that will not end okay and even though the film makes them end okay it's still kind of it's still kind of not all right for instance uh, i don't know if you ever saw um Oh, Empire of the Sun, the Christian mm-hmm. Bale, Steven Spielberg, right? So, I mean, he gets separated from his parents and then a million to one shot. He actually finds them again. Oh, what a surprise. But, you know, as a young man watching that film, I was really a boy. I was thinking, well, he's never going to find his parents again. This is this is like my worst nightmare. Same thing with Fievel, uh, an American tale, right? He's, mm-hmm. That's that's never going to happen. But I think that one of the most interesting ones is Han Solo and Carbonite. I mean, he's dead. There, there's no way... He's not dead. He's been suffocated and put into, I guess not metal, it's carbonite, but it's, you know, he's been, he's been bronzed. Well, we we don't know that. He could just be trapped in a horrible nightmare. Well, no, I think that's, no, I mean, and do you mean in terms of the real, the, um, like the reality of the film or do you mean in something else? Uh, Sure. All of the above. Why not? (laughs) Do you mean part? Do you no. mean that he's? Do you mean he's in carbonite and he's having ba- he's having a nightmare while he's in there? Or I do you like mean to the think film? so. <laughs> it could be like in a Minority Report or Demolition Man. Those oh, are, he's just in suspension. Are, right. No, yeah, that's right. That's right. I guess it's just you know, it's like if we had a movie that was supposed to be in real life, and I was like, Jeremy, I love you so much. I'm actually going to freeze you for posterity, and then I did it, and you would be dead. I mean, that wouldn't be. A nice thing to do. That would be a murder. I would. Mur- I would have murdered you at that agree point. To, agree to disagree. <laughs> hey, Mr. Williams, what was it like working with William Shatner? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's, I assume that's a misattribution issue, right? Um, what was that's it like to narrate the March of the Penguins? What was it like to? 
what was it like, what was it like to sign the Declaration of Independence? What was it like when you heard the Emancipation Proclamation being read? What the answer like to all of those is works every time. Works every time. <laughs> I got a stew going. No, that's Carl Weathers. That's even racist. Fuck. What was it this like? Is not going to. Rocky? This is not going to help your two minutes of alt right paradise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This whole thing is entrapment. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. all getting cut. Yeah, it's good. This whole episode, none of this matters. <laughs> Anything else about Billy D. Williams? <laughs> BDW. I mean, um, so he's not he's not going to appear in the new ones, right? I guess that'd be a question for him. Yeah, are you going to appear in the <laughs> appear in the new ones? I guess that's not so unwelcome, right? That's Billy like, D. How's that bagel? <laughs> that's one I don't get. What's the bagel? Well, it's just a question you won't expect. Truth be told, oh, though, yeah. oh, I bet right, you exactly. Billy D. Williams has had every possible question. I mean, look at look at the audience he's dealing with, who are, right. let's be frank, uh, pretty heavily on one pole of the Aspergers uh, right. spectrum. There, That's they're going right. to have run the permutations of every possible question. <laughs> Billy D. Williams is someone who is incapable of surprise at this point. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Whether um, it's because yeah. of the questions he's been asked. Or his blood alcohol level, he cannot be flapped. <laughs> yeah, well, he thought he thought it was a wise thing when they let him. You know, they they announced various uh, types of repayment that he could get for the Colt forty five commercials. He thought that a lifetime supply of Colt forty five was obviously the way to go. Uh, they still make it, right? I don't even know. Definitely, that was probably a stipulation in his contract that in order to be their spokesperson, he had to at all times be a little bit drunk. <laughs> They have to eject him. Sort of yeah. like the, uh, um, I can't remember which one, but one of the NASCAR, you know, racemen. Um, mm. He he was sponsored by Budweiser, so in his contract, he could not be seen drinking a beer other than Bud. Wow. Huh. NASCAR That's controls amazing. their lives, and now with a Trump presidency, they control ours as well. <laughs> That's right. Although I read something that said that NASCAR is kind of going down in terms of popularity, which I guess it, is not. It did. It was, yeah. you know, they assumed it was going to blow up, and then it kind of crested. So, well, what a fascinating question. I mean, you have kind of lightning in a bottle in the form of a captive audience that loves what you're doing, and then you have to decide, right? Is this the? Are these the people we have to continue to enjoy to have enjoyed the thing? Or do we actually expand out and make sure that we broaden the audience? Yeah, that's a tough. You're talking about a day in Billy D. Williams' life, right? That's correct. Yeah, he's like, well, I've got the Star Wars thing. Do I try to also expand into other areas? Uh, Do I finally finish this ballet I've been working on? Or is it just this? I bet you he's got an unproduced rock opera. Yeah, you'd think so. Which, uh, what do you think the, the theme would be? Phantom, Phantom of the Paradise 2? Yeah, he's only doing sequels. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say, say Starlight Express. That's too easy. Yeah. Starlight, you know, no, and it's just the Starlight Ground. What's, the, what's slower than Express? Man, I really feel like mm. some sherbet, which is weird because I can't really eat that. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> oh, yeah? I didn't know that. Uh, moving that's... on, uh, in, a, in a sort of related question, it would seem, yeah. Who joins the cast of Expendables 7? Well, if they need a sort of rough, rugged, but charming man, I got somebody in mind. Yeah, I really uh, do. Definitely Carl Weathers, for sure, which is Billy D. Williams' uh, stage name. Yeah, I think... Uh, actor. Yeah, he's a great, great guy. Still got the physique. Yeah, Billy D. Uh, yeah, I, so there, have there been any 
I'm trying to think of any people of color who have appeared in the Expendables films from the past. I think all the past people are basically white, right? Maybe. Um, no, no, no. The you know the guy. Oh no, from, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, the um, guy from the Old Spice commercials. What's what's that guy's name? No, Terry Crews. But Terry. I'm saying the like classic. I mean, Crews is actually Crews is barely an action star now. That's true. Like that's. I think I was thinking of the past. But but what? But Wesley Snipes was in the most recent one, I believe. Is that right? So that's actually yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, they sprung him sprung him out of jail or whatever. Tax returns, man. You got to be careful. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the only the other thing I think, I mean, I mean, Jet Li is not not person of color per se, but um, sure yeah. and oh, Antonio Sabato Jr. Classic. Is he in? Oh, okay. We're, th- we're no, okay. but that would be yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get back to <laughs> get back on track. <laughs> I got lost there. <laughs> oh, um, Batman. Mario Lopez, Danny Bonaducci, <laughs> Dick Clark. <laughs> the Clark. Dick Clark is a real get. Yeah. That's what's, that's something. Has there ever been a comic? I think I assume it would be a comic. Has there been a comic where uh, a really ambitious TV producer has to descend to hell itself to try to make sure to get, you know, the the person that he needs for uh, for some sort of a television or film? You're Dick assuming Clark. Dick Clark is being punished for his sins <laughs> eternally in the realm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I did. I think I did say hell. Sorry, DC. Yeah. I just assume he did some. He knows what he did, right? In our parlance. Nobody gets to the top without, you know, stepping on a few people. No, that's right. Just like that Facebook movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, um, you know, um, God damn it! He directed a few. Uh, the writer of a few good men and the, the Social Network. He he should be in the Expendables, right? Obviously, Gus Van Sant. No, that's not him. <laughs> that's not. That's not him. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves would make a good expendable. He's got his yeah, own thing with it. That would be a good get. I mean, he's almost... Um, it's Aaron Sorkin, by the way. Um, yeah, it is Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> but um, that would be a good get. I think uh, that's a little over their, their head because he's his mm-hmm. own franchise. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Kevin Pollock, right? Be a good good choice. Expendables. E- E17. You know who he ate an outside-the-box selection? And I think Al he's Jolson. primed. That's true. Um... Richard Simmons. Don't you oh, think he's primed a for a idea. comeback? No, that's perfect. Would he have to play the evil guy like um, like Kevin, uh, like Roberts who did in the first film? Yeah, I think that's the role he's born to play. It goes against type. He's mm-hmm. almost sort of like the Riddler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, now we're sort of <laughs> seeing how far we can get on this line of crypto-gay uh, discussion. Yeah, I wonder... Um, yeah, the yeah he would be good... Um, Nathan Lane, right? Sure. Similar. Um, but I want him on the hero's side. He, he does intel yeah. or... That's right. You know, he's never handled a gun before, but he's willing to make a <laughs> go of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Mel Brooks, right? Um, Carl, uh, Carl, what's his name? Which one, Reiner? Carl Reiner, that's correct. Yeah. Carl Weathers? No, Lagerfeld. Carl Lagerfeld, I think, would be fantastic for this. Why, why have we gotten into this theme here? <laughs> well, I think that I think that, I think they need to go older. I think they need to you know they need to get that Bartles and James audience up in right. here. They need to follow their audience along, like the Harry Potter books. <laughs> That's right. Harry Potter would be great for this. That would be a good get. Mm-hmm. The Riddler himself, <laughs> casting Avada Kedavra. Billy Jack, Billy Jack, right? Whoever played Billy Jack would be great. Sort of a superhero in his own way. Sherman Alexi, that's a different thing. Well, we've given the producers of the Expendables movies plenty to chew on, I think. 
Bruce Boxleitner. Bruce Boxleitner would be great. That's a real. He would be from a good Tron. Guy. Yeah, from Tron. Tom Laughlin also dead. Yeah, Billy Jack recently died. Uh, unrelated. Right. Uh, speaking of chewing on, uh, what are some ways that Whole Foods could appeal to millennials? Right, Jeez, that's right. not an episode goes by that we don't give it to millennials <laughs> right in the chops. That's right. So what are some ways that Whole Foods could appeal to millennials? I guess not even trying, right? Yawn. No, I think that they could have like a – like. Um, I think that like um you know they could be more uh more friendly to uh selfie sticks they could like raise the roof like another you know 3 feet cuz they're already like you know 50 feet high ceilings but with the selfie stick you know they just want to make sure they're yeah, showing the millennials are known for uh, extending their selfie sticks mm-hmm, right yeah, that's the right up thing. to the sky yeah more trampolines for these children yeah when I was when I worked at uh at whole at whole foods I worked at wild it was called wild oats it was like the local version or one of the subversions and um there was <laughs> there was actually every week there was someone who would come and give some sort of weird alternative medicine pitch in the sort of in the corner where there was kind of a smallish kitchenette and uh one one week it was reboundology which is where you jump on the trampoline to help I with your I like it I like to, it to help with your immune system cuz the idea is your immune system doesn't have its own motor by which to pump the sort of you know uh, antibodies, etc., around your body. So you have to get it going. That is it. For instance, by a trampoline. That's what you need. You need to like keep it, keep it right, and keep it tight. And so, so this woman and I had a long conversation because I just felt so sorry for her. I mean, why would you even venture into her field of vision if you didn't have to? And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Trying to make her feel better about everything. And she kind of seemed like a little bit less ridiculous after we talked for a while. And then, you know, in a half an hour pass, and I look over and she's just jumping on this trampoline alone in the corner as if to demonstrate how healthy it is. There's some daytime TV. Yeah, I would assume that much. something called a reboundology would have been pitched by Shaq. And that would fit in right. because, as we now all know, he apparently believes the Earth is flat. <laughs> really? So he'd get along with uh, Whole Foods. Shaq. And Shaq would be okay in the Expendables. I mean, that's only a throwback to the 90s, but that's about as far as they go sometimes. That's a good fit. I guess Whole Foods could be 20% more entitled, right? Swish. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's something uh, Shaq doesn't patting uh, ourselves, patting ourselves on the back with basketball metaphors for the rest of this. Yeah, Dunkus interruptus. That's a little jibe they added to the most recent NBA Jam entry. Um, yeah, I think that those things are all good. I mean, a lot, a lot more gluten-free menu items, right? That's just uh, that's the natural. Even their overlap. gluten is gluten-free. <laughs> that's right. No more gluten. No more. We don't even say the word anymore. It's GL space space EN. Glenn. It's Glenn free. No more Glenn in the store. You know, if there are people with celiacs who can't handle gluten, that means there's got to be someone out there who's on an only gluten diet, you know? Right. That's right. Yes, yes. I was trying to think of the closest to that. The Pillsbury Doughboy? I remember there was a cracked magazine that discussed all the sort of injuries, imaginary injuries of past uh, spokespersons. And there was an x-ray showing all the broken ribs that the doughboy has suffered over the years. Yeah, I think that the doughboy is probably on an all-gluten diet, uncooked gluten at that, right? I mean, he has to fill himself up. Although I wonder how he digests anything. Well, you think the doughboy's got bones? No, but oh, that's a good point. More importantly, what motor does he use to get his immune system to pump? 
Well, he seems to get a lot of exercise moving around. Honestly, it's the hamburger helper oven mitt that I really worry about, physiologically speaking. He appeals to millennials. Yeah, that's right. He does. You can put your fisting, right? You can put your hand right up in him. Um, You know, it's a quick meal for your busy millennium lifestyle. In and out, Uh, as they say. In and out, in and out, in out, in out. The old. You know what Whole Foods could use is a new spokesman. How about Jimmy Carter? He did pretty well with worms. Hmm. Other ways that Whole Foods could appeal to millennials. Hmm. I wish Ryan were here so he could tell us ways Whole Foods could appeal to millennials. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, and and uh, you know, I last time I did that thing where I just listed a bunch of Will Smith songs, but I'll cede my time doing that to uh, the sanity let's, of the let's audience. Just, let's just footnote that. Let's put a pin in it. Yeah. Yeah, please see 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 every previous episode for additional example of millennials. Yeah, right. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I think that we're at the moment, just quickly, millennials uh, gain from the comparison to baby boomers because it's become apparent that from the Trump vote and various other aspects, uh, you know, baby boomers as a generation have had a lot of negative qualities in addition to the positive ones. But I think when it's just millennials catching all the flack and all the baby boomers are gone. I think they will have some things to answer for, like shooting Greedo, for instance. Well, we'll be long dead. Well, at least yeah. I will. <laughs> Speak for yourself. All right. Yeah, um, well, ordinarily, we'd take a vote here, but because votes are meaningless, we're just moving on to whatever the next thing in the order is, which, segue, is why will Trump finally be impeached? So what is it that's finally going to get... El Presidente 45, Donald Salvador Gigante, Trump, <laughs> impeached. Oh, man. You know what I just thought of just quickly? The, the, you know, Trump, he got fired by Univision right as the campaign started. Remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, he was. it was because of the Hispanic stuff. And they were just, yeah, yeah, we're out. We're distancing yourself from him. And then... Uh, Did they Hispanic. fire him or just say they're not going to cover him? No, they fired him. It was, um, he was supposed to be, well, it was some sort of like a retraction. I think that they previously, no, yeah, yeah, no, he was, he, I think he was the guy from Miss, it was one of the, it was some sort of a tie-in for Miss America. But uh, anyway, ah. I'll, you know what? I'll look it up and I'll bring it up next week. Mm, that'll be timely. All right. So uh, next time we will address the question of why will Trump finally be impeached? Boy, that's the question that's on everybody's lips right now. <laughs> Until then, um, we can pine away, and I'm asking you to join with us next time. We still don't have a way to end these. I'm just going to slowly disrobe. <laughs>